Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, Tend is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. Football is back, and so is Cash the Ticket. Jim Costa with Mike Valeni every week this fall. That's picks, parlays, and that's sweet, sweet value. Cactus included on all the NFL and college football matchups. Full breakdowns on the biggest games, but if you have a life, you don't have 45 minutes to spare, we've got you. We're the most on-demand podcast. We're catered to you and the teams you love. That's Cash the Ticket. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. The, the, the winds of change are blowing through Raider Nation, and Silver and Black Today keeps you up to date with the latest news and views about your Las Vegas Raiders. Touchdown, Las Vegas! With insight, opinions, and interviews, we're on the cutting edge of what's happening now. Now, now with the latest on your Raiders and the NFL, your host, Scott Goldbranson and Mo Moten. Welcome back, everybody. It is time for Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast also heard over the air on The Bet in Las Vegas. If you're listening to us on the radio, welcome. If you're listening to us on the podcast feed, thank you. If it's your first time, do us a favor. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your audio. Make sure you turn on that auto download every time we have a new episode. Guess what? You will get it proactively. You won't have to worry about it. It'll be there with you. And Always with me is my broadcast partner. That, of course, is Mr. Mo Moten. He is a national NFL writer over at Bleacher Report, also Raiders columnist at SportsNot.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Mo Moten, M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. I am at L-V Gully. Mo, a lot of uh, signings by the Raiders. We talked about last show, uh, you, you earned... I think the nickname, you stopped becoming Midtown Mo and you became Misery Mo, as you made some people were not happy with your assessment, although your assessment was an honest one. Uh, but the Raiders continue to sign players. Uh, they signed some defensive players, but they continue also to offense. Just to recap, the Raiders this week have signed uh, Jaquan Johnson, a safety from the Buffalo Bills. Cam Sims, a wide receiver from Washington. Also, cornerback David Long Jr. from the Rams and... Just on Wednesday, tight end Austin Hooper, which is a really good signing, and you had mentioned him on the last show. But but seriously, you said to me before the we went on the air, Mo, that uh, the signings here for Dave Ziegler are improving over time. Right, Raider fans weren't happy with the first wave. Wasn't much action after, notable action after they signed Jimmy Garoppolo. But I think over the past couple of days from Monday to early Wednesday, I think the signings have been decent. David Long Jr., I know his overall numbers don't look good, but he actually played a good role on that Rams Super Bowl team. If you look at his numbers from just that year, if you take that smaller sample size and you just kind of extrapolate that, if he's a system fit with the Raiders, I think he could be a solid cornerback. Now that's CB1, the Raiders still need to draft a cornerback early, but I think David Long Jr. could be a solid number two as a replacement for Rocky Asin, who I believe was the last her visiting with the Baltimore Ravens, but he hasn't signed yet. As you mentioned, Austin Hooper, I think he's going to stick on the roster. He'll be a starting tight end. Even if the Raiders draft a tight end, maybe they will draft one in the second, third round. Austin Hooper has some pelts on the wall. He has two Pro Bowl seasons with, I believe, the Falcons. Now, he went to some run-heavy teams in the Cleveland Browns and the Tennessee Titans. So if you're wondering why his numbers drop so significantly, that's part of the reason. But again, those two teams have workhorse running backs and Nick Chubb and Derrick Henry. So not a lot of passes going around. Deshaun Watson had like two years off because of his sexual allegations. So he was rusty coming back. And you had um, Ryan Tannehill, who was hurt yeah. last year. Yeah. So yeah. The, the quarterback play wasn't great at his last two stops. So with, with him coming to the race, I'm not saying, saying Jimmy Garoppolo is, is Patrick Mahomes, but assuming he's an assistant fit under Josh McDaniels, Austin Hooper's numbers should jump back up. No question. And and I think, too, that you know the, the, Raider, the Raiders, um, we talked about it last show, right, which was the, the fact that not a lot of splash on defense, but they're adding bodies. And, and you mentioned it, I think, earlier in the week. 
saying that a lot of these bodies might be gone, you know, when you when you get yeah. to the end of the camp. But uh, over time, a guy like Austin Hooper, you expect obviously to make the team, uh, and and you also expect Long to perhaps make the team. And and mm-hmm. I think too though that this shows in in your column, uh, brilliant column. We'll talk about it in the next segment about the Raiders sort of having to nail this draft with the approach they've taken in free agency. But, but Mo, this shows that they're not done. They're still looking for opportunities to add bodies and add players in key positions. I know, you know with the trade of Darren Waller, Austin Hooper was somebody they had to, I think, go get. You needed an experienced body. Yes, there's lots of tight ends in the draft, but with this draft perhaps starting to sway towards a really heavy defensive draft for the Raiders, perhaps getting those offensive positions shored up is also part of the plan. Absolutely. But I want to touch on something yesterday. We had a discussion and you remember you pointed out that the wide receiver position was probably the only position clear cut that was upgraded um, during for agency. And our guy, not our guy, but SI.com's guy, Hondo Carpenter said that there's still some smoke around Hunter Renfro and his status with the team. There's buzz that maybe he could be traded around the time of the draft or after. I will say that the Raiders can save close to $12 million if they trade Hunter Renfro after June one. Right. So this is like going in, this is like before training camp in between OTAs and training camp, if they trade him out and you know, before the summer hits, they could still save a lot of money. And one of the moves that made me raise my eyebrow a bit in conjunction with uh, Hondo's report is that the Raiders did bring back Keelan Cole and they signed Cam Sims. Now I know if you look at Cam Sims numbers, nothing to write home about, but he's a six, <laughs> five wide receiver. And basically Whoever is behind Devontae Adams and Jacoby Myers is probably your number three. So you're not asking for that guy to have 100 catches, 1,000 yards. Cam Sims can get you number three wide receiver numbers. So if the Raiders can get something substantial for Hunter Renfro, I wouldn't say that he's in the clear yet. But you're right. As as far as the draft is concerned, it's going to be a defensive late draft. Despite, you know, some of the latest additions, the Raiders have to really knock it out of the park when it comes to the draft because that's been their their issue over the past, what, several years, close to a decade. Yeah, and again, we're going to get into Mo's column in the next segment, so we'll do that. Uh, but I think I think the Cam uh, Sims signing is, is a sneaky good one. I'm not I'm not here to tell mm-hmm. you he's a pro bowler, but he, mm-hmm. to same position, you, you look at him in Washington with no quarterbacks, right? Um, a guy, a young guy with good talent that just didn't really have, I think, a lot of opportunity. Last year, he played in 17 games. He only started three of those, but but not exactly an offensive juggernaut in Washington. So so we'll see what they're able to get out of him. They, they, they like what they see there. Um, Mo, the other thing, too, that we're starting to see is a story emerge this week, and I know it's all conjecture, but we got to talk about it, which is this idea that the Raiders now, with where they're at and the needs they have on defense, they need to get more picks. And so we're starting to see a lot of mock drafts, and I'm talking about from um, from respected journalists, too, not just uh, those of us who just go on and mock drafts, but some some heavy hitters out there, that, including Vic Tafer over at The Athletic, who says the Raiders may trade, I think he had them trading twice, actually, in the first round, trading down mm-hmm. to get more picks in the second and third round as well as a first rounder for next year. So, so what are the chances that we see that? I think, I think people are starting to coalesce around the fact that, okay, if they can't get, not that they won't try, if they can't get into the top three to get one of those quarterbacks that they may like, then guess what? They may trade down, go after a cornerback because they need one. And with Gonzalez coming out of uh, Oregon, you know, there's a guy there that, that would be a game changer, I think, for the Raiders. What do you think of that thinking and how the kind of collective – is starting to sway thinking, well, maybe the Raiders won't go after a quarterback. Maybe they're going to go after picks and more defense. It depends on who's available at seven. If the Raiders aren't interested in trading up to number three and they stick at seven and they don't like any of the quarterbacks available enough to take them at seven, I would say I would advise them if they could because you always need a dance partner to trade back. Mm-hmm. Yes, trade back so that you can accumulate, accumulate picks because, again, with the way the Raiders have handled free agency, they still have to fill a lot of spots. So the more Mm. draft picks in the top 100, the better. So I would say, yes, if you're not going to choose a quarterback at seven, trade the pick, go down several spots or a few spots, as Vic Taper did in the athletic mock draft. Now, he took uh, Weatherspoon out of Illinois. Yeah, I I forgot if uh, Joey Porter Jr. was available. I'm sure Gonzalez was off the board, but I think I would prefer Porter over Weatherspoon. That's just my opinion. 
think uh, Porter is more experienced as a starter. But Witherspoon is not is no slouch. I, I get why people do like Witherspoon coming in because he did show a lot over the past year. So I get the pick and I get the strategy. Again, if you're not going to take a quarterback at seven, I could very well see the Raiders moving down some spots to accumulate draft capital and feel more of their uh, needs across the roster. Yeah, and I think that it's interesting, though, because it's going to be if, – if they do trade down, let's say, or even if they stay at seven and go defense, um, you kind of – I mean, there's there's going to be a lot of good players in that first round up front and on the back end. When you look at this Raiders team, the division there – I mean, I, you can't, to me, you can't improve one without the other. You have to improve the interior of the defensive line and even at end get another body – and then you also have to improve the the back end because if you do get a pass rush, uh, you got to have somebody to defend back there. So I think the Raiders early in this draft, uh, if they don't go quarterback again, they they need one of each. I think. Here's the thing, and this is what a lot of people have been bringing up to me in this scenario: What if Gonzalez is available, or what if Jalen Carter is also available at seven, mm. and you don't take a quarterback? What do you do? And I would tell people, I know this is going to sound like a cop-out, but I really can't make a decision on Jalen Carter unless I talk to him. Yeah. Because if I have a one-on-one conversation with Jalen Carter, I will understand, okay, what, what happened going into your pro day? Why were you overweight? Why were you mm-hmm. out of breath? You know, why did you have such a poor showing at the pro day? And you know this is basically a live job interview for you, especially what's, what's gone on with you this offseason. You had to struggle during the pro day. If you were to come in yeah. overweight and out of shape, it's not a good sign. So before I say – the kid is a, a malcontent. The kid is a big question mark as far as his work ethic. I would want to speak to him because I understand when you have legal issues, that could weigh on your mind too. Remember, these, are, these aren't 35, 40-year-old men. They're, they're still relatively young right. coming out of college. And something like a legal situation hanging over your head, again, could affect your performance. So I would want to speak to him before I say, no, we're not taking Now, initially I came out and said I wouldn't touch him. Now he, you know, Went through the legal process. I would say, let's bring him in the room. Let's talk to him. Let's see where his head is at. And based on what he says, if I like the vibe of what's coming from him, I would consider it. But if I didn't like the vibe or if I still had lingering questions about him, I would take a quarterback yeah. there at number seven. Yeah, and I think I think that's where they're going to be. And and I I was the same way. I said, listen, don't I'm not touching the kid. But you're right. In retrospect, you think about it. All that legal stuff comes up during the combine. You know, just catches him off guard. Uh, at least we think he caught him off guard, and that just puts him in a tough position. And so you could see a kid losing focus between then and his pro day, uh, because we all go through things in life that cause us stress, and we lose focus. Imagine a kid at twenty, twenty-one years old, about to become a multimillionaire and play in the NFL, and you have that that hanging over your head that you might go to jail. So, so I get that piece of it, but it's an interesting quandary because I just don't know. I guess it comes down to, to your point, if there's a player there that they think is the best player available at one of those positions, at heck, at any position, you got to take them. But to me, the defense, you have multiple picks, and I think, I think that's why I favor them. If they're not going quarterback, I favor them moving down because I think you have some value at the top of that draft, especially if a Carter's gone. Gonzalez still might be there, but he might be there in the middle of the first round. So you could move down a couple picks, get some more compensation for next year and for this year, and really be able to, uh, I think, solidify a good draft class with a bunch of bodies that you need on defense. Here's the other thing. I understand why Raider fans would want to take a chance on Jalen Carr because he's clearly the top interior defensive lineman in this draft. Whereas with Gonzalez, some people like Porter, some people like Witherspoon. You know, there there are some options there. Different people may have different quarterbacks at the top of their board. So there's no real tight consensus. But when it comes to that particular position and being that it's a big need for the Raiders because we saw what even just Tillery could do in the middle and unleashing or helping uh, Max Crosby and Chandler Jones unleash on the edge, what an interior defensive lineman, a playmaking interior defensive lineman can do on passing down. So I understand the one for Raider fans saying, if Carter's there, we have to take him, regardless yeah. of what's going on in the background. But I, what I will say is that with his situation, you have to remember now, I, I know this is a different person, different regime, but what, what, what Henry Ruggs went through yeah, and now what Jalen Carter is attached to right now, it's bad optics. I will say that it's bad yeah. optics, but you cannot punish Jalen Carter for what Henry Ruggs did. But I will say that picking him after what happened with Henry Ruggs, it's 
you're going to have to do some explaining. You're going to have to say, well, we believe in this kid. His yeah. situation is different. We yep. spoke to him. We feel good about what's going on with him. And that's why we drafted him at seven. Yeah, you almost need a, a PR campaign coming into the draft. If, you, if you're going to get him and you're going to pick him and make him a commitment to him, then you have to rehab his image uh, with the external audiences. Not that they, if they believe in him, they believe in him. But you're right. Not only the Henry Rugg situation, but then, just the kind of malcontents the Raiders have had come through that roster in the last few years, including Damon Arnett with the gun and all those Arnett. issues. You know, there's just been so many things going on. So so the Raiders have to be careful. And I'm sure that's on Mark Davis's mind, even though he's not making football decisions. Um, I'm sure he's a little bit involved in the draft, at least informed. And you can see where that would be a concern of his as well. All right. We're going to take our first break. When we come back, Mo and I are going to get into his column that ran on Sports Knot where he talks about the importance of this draft for the future of the Raiders and for specifically the future of GM Dave Ziegler and coach Josh McDaniel. So we'll get into that when we get back. You're listening to Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast. Don't go anywhere. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is my show. My friends come on and you know them. We talk about the sports you care about, basketball now, golf and the metronome of your life, baseball. Whether it's opening day, the big tournament, or one of the majors, we have the best to preview it and break down just what happened. And let's not forget the important stuff, the amount of daylight where I live, the importance of speedies, and the rankings of beach-style pizza. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back. Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast covering your Las Vegas Raiders. Also heard on The Bet in Las Vegas. If you're listening to us on the radio, thanks for that. If you're watching us on YouTube, we appreciate you being with us and participating in the chat as always. So thank you guys for that and appreciate the subscriptions wherever you're listening to us. Uh, just search Silver and Black today and you can get you can get it. There it is. You can find Mo and I there as well. All right, Mo, we're going to come back. We're talking about uh, a piece you wrote on sports, not because I think you make a really good correlation here. And I'm going to pop it on the screen here, which is the idea that the Raiders draft, everybody knows the Raiders have to draft well, uh, because it's been several years since they've done it. The last show we talked about it, that really overall, they haven't had a, a solid through and through draft since 2014 when they took Derek Carr uh, and a few other players like Khalil Mack. Now, you're saying that this draft class, knowing what's happened in free agency, knowing what they've done at quarterback, basically a reset with, in essence, which is kind of a top-tier stopgap quarterback, at least, um, that they really need to do something. And so if you look at this, I want to run through some of these points that you have here, which is really around the fact that the Raiders, um, with their kind of signings and free agency and the way they prioritize spending their money, um, they need to nail a draft. And you first start out by saying, look, because of this free agent class, it puts even more onus on this front office to have a good draft. Talk about that. Yeah, so the Raiders still need about five starters on either side of the ball. They still need a, a, a number three edge rusher, uh, Andrew Van Ginkle, who I wanted. I spoke about this on the last show, signed back with the Dolphins. So the Raiders have a lot of holes to fill, and a lot of fans have said this, and I've said this on the show, that they're not going to be able to fill all those holes within one draft class, but they can come close if they if they have a couple of day three guys who contribute early and they hit on their premium picks, their top 100 picks. They have four in the top 100, and they have one pick at 109. So I drew the parallel between this year's draft class, the importance of this year's draft class, and the 2019 class, and the fact that if you go back four years, just go back to the conversations that fans have had, that that Mayock had with Gruden. Mayock even said this publicly, that basically that draft class was going to set the foundation for their future. They had yep. three first-round picks, and they had a pick 40, which was Trayvon Mullen. So they had a, they had a bunch of high picks, and – for, for a rebuild, you're looking at those picks to basically set the tone for your immediate future. Now, unfortunately, they whiffed on three of those picks. Josh Jacobs was the only pick that 
is still on the roster right now. So that this is why their rebuild in 2019 and on was kind of they they did improve, but they they improved by like one win every season. Mm-hmm. If they had it hit on that draft and hit a home run in that class, the Raiders would have had a foundation for Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels to build on. But because the Raiders didn't hit on those early picks, they did get Max Crosby, they get get Hunter Renfro, they get they get Josh Jacobs. But again, if they had a draft class that was similar to the 2014 class and contributed starters. We would we the Raiders wouldn't have to plug as many holes as they have right now. So the importance is the same here. So the Raiders have a lot of holes to fill, right? So yeah. they hit on this class as Reggie McKenzie did in 2014. You could say four or five of those positions will have new stars that are rookies, which is a good deal because those guys will be on rookie contracts. You won't have to pay a lot for them, and it'll be two. It'll be at least two years before you have to even think about giving those guys extensions. So the comparison is when Gruden and Mayock were together. That was Gruden's second year. Mayock came in after they let Reggie McKenzie go. Gruden's second year, they actually tore down the roster in their first year in 2018. Well, Gruden did. Traded Mm -hmm. Khalil Mack, traded Amari Cooper. So then that 2019 draft class was the class that was supposed to set the tone for the future. Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels did it in reverse. Mm -hmm. They came in, tried to win with the roster that was left over from the previous regime. Then they tore it down this year, trading away Darren Waller, letting go of Derek Carr, basically, I don't want to say starting over, but basically remaking the roster. So instead of doing it in the first year as Gruden did, they're doing it They're doing it in the second year, but the result is still the same. The Raiders have to draft well if they want to have a foundation for the short-term and long-term future, because if they don't, it's going to be a slow rebuild. If they do, then this team can win a lot more games than people expect. Well, Mo, so so I think a lot that listen, Raider fans, uh, and and we've been hearing them from them vocally for the last few weeks in social media. They are tired of bad drafts. They've seen them through all sorts of regimes. Okay, they've seen them through the the Grudock, as you called it too, which is a great one. Um, through Reggie McKenzie, even though Reggie McKenzie had some success early on and got the team into better shape as far as salary cap goes, but you go back to the late Al Davis and the end of his life and what he was doing with the team. And it's just been a succession of disappointments overall for the Raiders in the draft. Not that they haven't drafted good players here and there, but consistent drafts with consistent yields has not happened. Why do we think for the skeptical fans, because there's lots of them out there. Why do we think that, that the approach here with Dave Ziegler, with his ability to evaluate talent from what we've seen over the last couple of years, what what would you tell a fan who's skeptical that they can have a good draft? I would say look at Dave Ziegler's 2001, 2021 year with the Patriots. Let's be honest. Bill Belichick was running the Patriots show. and People say the Patriots drafts have sucked, and you're right. They have. But Bill Belichick was running the show. If you read reports, just read through the reports and just punch in Dave Ziegler's name in Google. He was really the de facto GM in 2021. Before that, he was part of the front office, but he he wasn't calling the shots. It's more like it was more like Bill Belichick. So if you and I are running a company, and you're the shot caller, and I make suggestions, you don't have to take my suggestions. So we don't know which picks were exactly Dave Ziegler's suggestions. In 2021, we know because he basically I don't want to say he took over, but it was documented that he was behind the spending in free agency, and he was behind a lot of the draft picks in 2021 because the Patriots knew they needed to change something because their drafts were disappointing. And I would say the Patriots draft class, they drafted Mac Jones, who I feel is a lot better than people give him credit for. I think with the real offensive coordinator now, Bill O'Brien, you will see Mac Jones play a lot better. They drafted Christian Barmore, who I felt the Raiders should have drafted in 2021. He's a decent player. Ramondre Stevenson is now going to be a starter. Had a pretty good year last year. He did. He was a fourth-round pick, and the Patriots found him on day three. So there are some picks there that the Patriots had under – Dave Ziegler, who was the de facto GM in 2021, that panned out. So I will say, if you're gonna if you're gonna judge Dave Ziegler's track record as limited as it is, just look at 2021, where the Patriots had some decent picks. Was it a great draft? But it was a better draft than they've had previous years to 2021. Okay, so we've established that this needs to be a foundational draft for this this regime for Dave Ziegler for Josh McDaniels if he can survive another year, which he probably will. Uh, for those of you who want him fired yesterday. But if you look at this, Mo, and you look at this class and the number of picks the Raiders have right now, we 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 anticipate at least a few of those may be traded for different kinds of compensation. We're not sure exactly what yet uh, if it happens. But let's just go um, with the picks they have now. 
if you look at this and you say a foundational draft, what what has to happen for that to be true? Meaning, what percentage of players do they have to hit on, especially early in the draft, for this to be considered one of those draft classes? I would say they have to hit on three quarters of their picks. So they have 12 mm. draft picks right now. I would say nine of those picks have to either be starters or rotational players. At least at nine of them to, for it to be considered a home one, a home run draft. Unless two of those players become all pro all pro players, then we can we can talk about that and evaluate it from a whole. But just from a numbers perspective, three seventy five percent of this draft has to be able to contribute right away because, as we just said, the Raiders still have so many holes on both sides of the ball. We we talk a lot about the defense, but they to me they still need a starting guard because there's still a possibility that Dylan Parham moves to center. Even if he doesn't, they need a guard on the other side of the football because. I know they signed uh, Nate Muthi. I get it, but he's been a back of his career. Get a starting guard. Get a high. Get a high <laughs> profile prospect out of out of the collegiate level to to start that position. So yes, they they have enough. I wouldn't say enough on offense, but they have enough on offense to be a top ten scoring offense still with Jacoby Myers, with Devontae Adams, even with Jimmy Garoppolo, assuming he stays healthy. Josh Jacobs, assuming he's still there on a franchise tag or not, they can still fill the top ten scoring offense. But the problem is. Are you relying on Jimmy Garoppolo to score 28, 30 plus points a game? I would say that's not a good, uh, it's not a good plan. Not a good plan. So, so again, if you can get five players out of the draft that can play on your defense and contribute on a significant level, you're in good shape. If you have fewer than three, you're going to have some problems because that means you're going to have a hole that may be linebacker. You yeah. may get a corner that's, Coming along, but not yet a number one guy. You may get a, a defensive tackle who can't beat out Jerry Tillery, but you have to hit on a lot of these positions because if wherever the hole is on the Raiders' defense, guess what? The Kansas City Chiefs are going to find it. The, the Los Angeles Chargers are going to find it, and possibly with Sean Payton in Denver, Russell Wilson will find it in, with the Broncos. So you're going to have to fill those holes with at least players who can contribute right away, or at least in a rotation. Got one guy that I know a lot of fans have been talking about, and actually you and I mentioned him on the previous show because he's still out there as a free agent, was Yannick Ngakwe. Uh, he's still out there. He's a guy, I mean, they brought back face on. Uh, to me, that might be a guy they want to, because because listen, Chandler Jones, we don't know. We don't know. Obviously, we know what happened last year. Didn't have a great year. Came on a little bit towards the end of the season, uh, but struggled. And so you, yes, you might get younger. You might end up getting uh, an edge player in the draft, maybe, maybe not. Is that a guy you'd consider? I know he wasn't on your list in your column earlier in the week, but but he, that guy, he performs. He just performs. He, he does. And the reason I didn't list Yannick Ngakwe is because the way Dave Ziegler is spending in free agency, I, I don't believe he want to pay what yeah. Yannick Ngakwe is probably looking for. Because remember, this is a guy that a couple of years ago, I believe had 10 sacks with the Ten. Raiders. Right. So he's not, you know, he's on the market, but he's not going to go for cheap. And the again, the way they Ziggler is spending, he's not going to pay a high price for any of these free agents, even if they can help the Raiders defense, which is frustrating for fans because they're saying, we need the defensive <laughs> fellow. Why don't you spend the money? But I believe the Raiders have a little more than 11 million in cap space. And I think Dave Ziggler is going gonna, is gonna to say that, you know, for the after the draft, because I think there will still be moves even after the draft. We see it every year. After the yeah. draft, depending on how the draft pans out, how the order pans out, teams let go and trade players all the time. So they want to have cap space post-draft. And I, I just don't see Dave Ziggler spending for Yankee Ngakwe, even though he would tremendously help the Raiders' defense as a third or even as a 1B to Chandler Jones, who's getting yeah. a lot older. Yeah, and I don't think his price is going to come down very much because I think he'll get snagged up uh, pretty soon. It's a, it's a premium uh, position, too. It's a People premium pay position. And he's consistent. Frank Clark is still out there. Frank Clark is still out there. Absolutely. So there's guys out there, but to your point, a little bit out of the price range based on what they want to do and build this defense, it looks like, through the draft. So interesting stuff. Go make sure you check out Mo's column up on sportsnot.com. You can go to his Twitter at M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N, and you'll find a link there uh, to the story from today's or yesterday's tweets uh, when he wrote the story. So make sure you check that out. All right, we're going to take our final break. When we come back, it's that time of the week, everybody. It's the time for the Raider Nation mailbag. So we're going to get to your mail and a couple of comments when we come back. Also, just a preview, next week, Mo and I will start doing some more draft coverage. We're going to have a bunch of guests on over the next few weeks. And then we're also going to have special shows where we will go through and highlight specific positions and players to watch out for 
as the Raiders prepare for the draft. You're listening to Silver and Black today here on Odyssey, an original podcast, and also on The Bet in Las Vegas. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back. It's time for the home stretch here on Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast, also radio show. Yes, that's right. If you're listening to us on The Bet in Las Vegas, thanks for being with us. We are in the home stretch here. Uh, Scott Branson and Mo Moten with you. And uh, we wanted to touch on, we didn't touch on it earlier in the show, but yesterday or last evening, uh, yesterday afternoon Pacific time, uh, some really terrible news. And that was that Raiders tight end, former Raiders tight end, he's now a free agent, Foster Moreau went in for his physical with the Saints and they discovered that he has uh, Hodgkin's lymphoma. And um, so he's going to step away from football and take care of himself. And, of course, we wish him the best for a young guy to, to get uh, Hodgkin's disease is just insane, Mo. And uh, we certainly wish him the best. And this is one of the times where, where you start to think uh, of football in the human terms and not from the football perspective and get angry about free agents that weren't signed or whatever. And I know all of Raider Nation sends its thoughts around uh, for Foster Moreau, but just terrible news. Yeah, and I'm sure he was excited about possibly joining the Saints because, you know, he went to LSU. He's yeah. a native of that area. So he he was probably looking forward to a bright new chapter. And he goes to physical and finds out this news. Of course, we wish him the best. But it's just a reminder. And I'm not trying to turn this into a show about life. But it's just a reminder, like, people, even if you feel fine, make sure you keep up with your checkups and get checked out. Because he probably wouldn't have known had he not gone through this physical. And you want to detect things like this very early so that you can take care of it. Yeah. I mean, I mean, again, that's so true because you don't know. And yes, he's a young guy. His chances of hopefully beating this are better because he had that physical. If he was mm-hmm. just a regular every day guy and wasn't feeling symptoms, because he obviously he wasn't. Um, and mm-hmm. he goes in for a physical uh, and he doesn't go in for physical, I should say. Who knows what happens? So uh, thank mm-hmm. God that he was able to find that. And again, we wish him well. I'm sure we'll. We'll see his story, and I hope that he gets healthy enough he can come back next season and and play for the Saints, like you said, in his hometown near his alma mater as well. Just, just you know, again, the human news here, the humanity of football comes out, and you certainly want to uh, see him do well. So our best to Foster Moreau uh, as he fights this moving forward. Uh, all right, well, we're going to get into our mailbag now, as we do this time of the show. And uh, we start with our man who used to be Derek Carr's hair. Then he was Jared Stidham's hair on Twitter. And now he's Jimmy G's hair on Twitter. So he's got the whole quarterback hair thing tied in, Mo, as I hear a motorcycle Uh, speed by your place. Um, I've wanted to ask him, what happens if, like, Brian Hoyer becomes a starting quarterback? Brian Hoyer has no hair. So what do you do? Like, are you, like... Brian Hoyer's bald head or that would I think you could be like Brian Hoyer's dome. <laughs> like, how does that work? Dome. I guess he can answer back on Twitter, but yeah, I'm sure. Fortunately, I'm Jimmy sure. G has a good has a good head of hair. So yes, did that. you? By the way, did you see that video of his first tour of Allegiant? And there's like fans in there the doing the moment. tour. The awkward mm-hmm. moment where he said, "You're a handsome man." He's like, I don't know what to say to that. I don't know what to say to that. It's like, oh my gosh, you know. Uh, it's funny when Thank people you, meet. I guess it, it's, it is interesting though because I've seen that many, many times. Right, where somebody sees a celebrity, somebody they look up to. When I was in the boxing world, this happened. I would be out with fighters before a fight, you know, the night before a show, and somebody would see their favorite fighter, and they would, it would just come out wrong. Right, something would come out wrong. And uh, so when, when that happened with Jimmy G, it was the same kind of thing. I thought it was kind of funny. All right, let's get into Jimmy G's hair, his question. That's his Twitter handle, by the way. We're not actually talking about Jimmy G's hair. Come on. <clears throat> uh, here's what he says. He says, Scott and Mo, I think there's a really good chance that Leonard Williams might be traded to the Gi- or traded due to the Giants tagging Barkley and signing Danny Dimes or vice versa. If this is the case, do you think that the Raiders should pounce? What sort of market would Williams have He's 28 years old, grew up a Raiders fan. I think it's realistic. Also, no state tax in Nevada. That's Jimmy G's hair. What do you think? We've talked about Leonard Williams on the show before, Mo, uh, and with the Giants. What do you think is going to happen there? Is he a guy that perhaps the Raiders could could possibly get to improve that line? Now, I get the connection because he played well under Patrick Graham, so Patrick Graham could immediately just plug him in there, and he, he fits a need for the Raiders, automatically makes that Raiders defensive line a lot better. 
Now, would you trade? Would you acquire him if he was if the Giants were asking for a second round pick? Because he had a down year. Yeah. As far as his numbers are concerned, I just took a quick glance and two and a half sacks this past season. I don't think he would cost a one. But if if he is made available for a second round pick, I, I definitely I, I take that as as Jim, uh, Jimmy G's hair said. He's only twenty years old, still the prime of his career, and. As I said, he played well under Patrick Graham. So if he is available now, I haven't yeah. read reports that he is, but sometimes these teams uh, <laughs> shop players and we don't know about it. It's under wraps because they don't want it public because they want as much value as they can get for that player. But if he was to be made available, if he is available out there, sure, I'd take him because I know he wouldn't cost more than a, a second-round pick to get him. Yeah, and I listen, I think worth a second-round pick, depending what you do with the first. Um but but either way, to get a player, are you going to get a player that good? Even like to your point, not a yeah. great year last year, but 28 years old. I mean, he's a young guy. So t- are you going to get a player that could come in and have that kind of impact in the second round of this draft inside? No. Can you get a good player in the second round in this draft on the inside? Yes. But to me, well worth it if they could do a second round pick uh, for that one. And I just don't know if the Giants are going to do it. I don't know either. I don't think I don't think they're gonna shop him simply because he's he's again you can maneuver the cap. We'll see what happens with Saquon yeah. Barkley. They did pay Denny Dines, but they they did lower his cap hit uh, versus if they had franchise tagged him. So they, they made some room so that they can keep some of their core key players. I I don't think Leonard Williams get, gets moved, but if he happens to be on the move, he had eleven and a half sacks under Patrick Graham in twenty twenty. Yeah, I jump on that in a heartbeat. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, there you go. Jimmy G's hair on Twitter. Our longtime listener. We appreciate it, man, and appreciate your question. All right. We're moving on now to a new emailer. Anders, A-N-D-E-R-S is his name. He says, gentlemen, I think this one's sarcastic, but let me let me see. Uh, It says, gentlemen, it starts with gentlemen. It has to be. Uh, Can you rack your brains and try to remember so far? He wants to know, Mo, can we say three great things Ziegler has done? Adams and what? Yasin was not a great signing and Jones was subpar. Or can you name three great plays called by McDaniels? I can think of one flea flicker off the top of my head and a lot of sweeps for two-yard losses. Not okay moves or okay calls, but great stuff that would reflect the arrogance of those two. That's Anders. So Anders is not happy with Dave Ziegler or Josh McDaniels. Mo, we've talked about it since November on this show. We've been very, very critical where it was due around Josh McDaniels coaching. We have said there's a lot to be desired. There has to be massive improvement from him in this coming season. Whether or not the Raiders are a playoff team or not doesn't matter. You still can see whether the coaching gets better. Secondarily, we've had criticism for Dave Ziegler, but we've also given him a little bit of grace to say, okay, this is his first full draft. He's made some okay signings, some questionable signings, and now he seems like he's on a path to want to build this team through the draft. Um, When you listen to Anders' uh, anger over what these two guys have done, Josh McDaniels' arrogance, I can see that. I don't sense that from Dave Ziegler. To answer the email's question, look, the frustrating thing that I saw that Kurt Warner pointed out in his breakdown of Derek Carr and the offense was he pointed out the fact that the Raiders had Devontae Adams run a lot of a bunch of go routes. And we all yeah. know Devontae Adams is one of the best route runners in the game. It's frustrating to just see him run these, these simple go routes. And it's like, you, you had Devontae Adams, you could use him a lot better than that. So I understand Anders' frustration with Joshua Daniels. Again, we pointed out the blown leads in the second half as well. So I get that. But with, with Ziggler, I would, as you said, I would give him some time. I understand outside Devontae Adams, who people give Carr a lot of credit for that trade move happening. Outside of that, it's, it's kind of a lot of meh, okay, and, and disappointing. But again, give him a full draft. Give him a full draft class. And by that, by what I mean by that is a first and second round pick, twelve picks. Then we'll we'll kind of judge what what his track record is. Because again, he has a very limited track record with the Patriots. Uh, the fact of GM for one year, and I get the signings last year. The phrase signs that he did make Chandler Jones the most notable. Not something you want to write home about. Not something that Raider fans are too optimistic about going into this year. But give him some time. He's a he's a new GM. This is his second year as the as the I want to say general manager, general manager, because he had one year at the Patriots. But give him some time. I be be a little. I know Raider fans hate the P word, 
<laughs> be a little patient with Dave Ziggler. I understand with Josh Daniels because he's made mistakes in the past with Denver, and you can kind of see sure. some of those mistakes rearing their ugly head again. Yes. But with Dave Ziggler, I, I would just say, let's see what his second year looks like with the signings. No, no, the signs aren't a lot to write home about, but with the with the draft, and then come back and we'll and we'll assess based on that. But again, to, to Andrew's point, aside from Adams, not a lot to be ecstatic about with New Ziegler and his moves. No, and, and and but but we touched on it in the second segment in reviewing your column, though, which is uh, this is a make or break draft for the team. So I think you'll know a lot about Dave Ziegler after this draft and what he's able to do. The one thing I will say though, and I don't want to start a fire here on the show. <laughs> but I know there are some Raider fans out there who will say, hey, he got rid of Derek Carr. That's a positive. Uh, yes. I'm not saying uh, I say this, but there are Raider fans that saying finally Days Ligger was the GM, the shot call that finally was able to have the balls to move on from Derek Carr because previous regimes didn't. Because a lot of people, let's be honest, will say Carr is a head coach killer. Some yeah. people look at it on this side of the coin and say, oh, Carr has had so much instability because of the Raiders' dysfunction. And there are some people that say, well, Carr is a coach killer. He gets coaches fired. Yeah. So depending on how you look at it, you may look at Derek moving off from Derek Carr as a positive. So there, there for some yes. fans, there are two moves: getting Devonta Adams and then getting rid of Derek Carr. Uh, and saying. then there's the other part of those people who would agree with you, but would say that um, they should have done it last year, <laughs> right? Because nobody's ever happy. All right. And we and there's another group of people <laughs> that say they should have gotten. A draft pick for him, which I do agree with. They they yes. bungled that that situation where they could have they should have gotten some draft capital for a starting caliber quarterback. And I I think there's some validity to the argument some fans out there about the Waller deal too. They they could have gotten rid of Waller last year for a second round pick for Green Bay. I would have done it. Should I wrote it. about it? You did write they it. They offered they, the Packers offered the Raiders a second round pick for Waller, and I said it when the Raiders were two and five. Yep. I had a tweet that said they cannot stick with the status quo. They have to break this up. Trade trade one of your players, get some draft capital, and look forward to next year. Yep. They held on to Waller, and, of course, he was injured, banged up for the season. So, of course, his value goes down. So, instead of a second-round pick, now you get a third-round pick. Yep. That's on the that's on Zig, Ziggler <laughs> and, and um, McDaniels. Yes, it was. Okay. They were too committed to, the, to those guys too long. All right, Anders, thank you so much for your email. We appreciate uh, you being part of the show and, and keep keep uh, messaging us, keep listening. We appreciate it. All right, now we go on for our last mail today uh, with our, our longtime listener, Garen Har- Gary Harkin Reader. Uh, he says, hey, say hi to Midtown Gary. Mo. Me- say hi to Midtown Mo, which we haven't even said hello to him here yet, so here we go. Come on. All right. Ah, I love the intro. Oh, there the side hat. Oh, look at that. I'm Got grooving. Look at that. I, I, I got to do what I got to do. All right. Even our producer, bobbing his head in the background. He is. Look he is. That. He is. All right. Here we go. So he says, say hi to Midtown Mo. Um, and then he says, um, I'll wade deeper into the waters with the Raiders on some of the other things I express with you later. But I want to say this. Based off the low grades, and we didn't talk about this, and, and Gary has been emailing me for two weeks about it, so we'll address it now. Based on the low grades Raider players gave McDaniels and the coaching staff, do you remember the survey that came out, Mo, where they evaluated all the coaching staffs? Um, as saying that uh, I don't believe any. He says because of that, he doesn't believe any splash signings were going to happen. So we're looking to the draft and the castoffs once the roster cuts start. You guys mentioned the Raiders had to go with plan B after plan A failed. I disagree. The Raiders just kept plugging in players to see who could execute plan a let's consider the following terms developing and learning raiders talk about football iq then developing players end up on the practice squad and become prey for other teams there are expendable players players that learn and can execute and they learn how to make the 53 man roster i still expect buyer bobby hoyer to sign unless he retires i've seen gabe <laughs> play so he's basically in conclusion he's got a long conclusion so gary i'm just going to summarize it he just basically says I don't think McDaniels can do anything different than he's done in Denver. As always, the best, Gary. So, Mo, this is this is common. This is, I think, I would say it's prevailing thought in Raider Nation, which is Josh McDaniels is not going to get it done. When you go into this season, even if he has a pass from ownership and he has a pass from his buddy Dave Ziegler, meaning that, hey, we're rebuilding, so we're going to give you another year where we're not going to be worried about wins and losses as much, I still don't believe that he's 100% secure at what point, what would he have to, even if he's in a year where they said, hey, I don't care if you lose, 
what at what point could the ejection button come? What would have to happen in Raider Nation with this Raiders team in 2023 for Josh McDaniels to either lose his job some point in the year or at least after the season's over next year? I touched on it with Baldy last week. Remember I asked him, yep. I was like, well, Mark Davis may give Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziggler, well, Josh McDaniels specifically a runway of three years, but the players won't if his plan isn't working. Mm-hmm. Let's remember that the players know uh, they have a feeling too about if a coach can be, if a guy could be a legitimate NFL head coach or if he's just an offensive coordinator. Players can detect this right away. And there have been former players who've come out. Brandon Marshall, the linebacker, uh, the wide receiver, I should say, he's been vocal about Josh McDaniels is not a head coach, he's a play caller. One of the Barber twins, either Rondé or Tiki, one of them, I think it was might have been Rondé, he came out on the 33rd team and said that Dave Ziggler, uh, Josh McDaniels is not a head coach. He's an offensive coordinator. He's a play caller. So if the players have this sense in the locker room, I'm not saying they do, but remember, Bowley said there already may be questions in that locker room whether Josh McDaniels is the right fit for the head coaching position of the Raiders. Mm-hmm. If you go into that season and there, there's no sign of progress, you start off one and four, and you get to the middle of the season by the trade deadline, and you're, I don't know, you're three and seven, the players are going to start bailing. And I'm not saying quit. But they're going to legitimately question whether, look, we're working hard. And to, to Gary's point about the report card ratings, when you're losing and when you're working hard and losing, yeah. no one likes that. Think <laughs> about your job, right? Yeah. You're putting in long hours, you're working overtime, and you're not getting the payoff, the pay or whatever you're looking for in return for your hard work. You're going you're gonna to question the direction of, of your job, your supervisor, your, your manager. So I think that's what's going on with the Raiders. And I relate it to what happened to Matt Patricia Detroit. If you remember, Matt Patricia had a short run with the Detroit Lions. Why? Because he tried to bring the Patriot way to Detroit. He had players working late, working hard, but the results weren't coming in. Yeah. So by the second year, it seemed like, I don't want to say players quit on, but it seemed like players had said, look, this guy is not the right yeah. guy for that coaching job. We have, you know. Something has to happen. Something has right. to give him. And the Lions move on pretty quickly from him. So with Josh McDaniels, I think it's the same situation that not only is it similar to Patricia in the sense that he could lose the locker room halfway through the season, but remember, this is his second try at being a head coach. It didn't work out well in Denver. And if people start drawing more parallels to him now and him back then over a decade ago, it's curtains for him. It, Mark Davis is not going to have a chance, have a choice, but to get rid of him if the players don't believe in him. Right, because and, and we've heard it. We heard it from some of the players who left and quote unquote they weren't culture fits. Listen, and this is what happened with Patricia in Detroit. They were hard asses. Mm-hmm. They work yep. these guys really hard. They're not mm-hmm. nice. They're not trying to be your friend. They're trying to be Bill Belichick. And with that, that that goes over like a lead balloon unless you're winning. Because then the guys say, Okay, this this coach is a prick to me. Okay. And he's on me, he won't stop, won't stop. This is a grind. But I'm seeing the result. It's sort of like why people jump off diets, right? You start, you eat well, you lose a few pounds, and then you stall and you don't lose weight. And then you kind of, oh, screw this. I'm not seeing any results, so I'm going to stop. And I think that's the same principle. So I think you're right. I think if that happens, Gary, then then that that goes on. If, if it doesn't happen and the Raiders finish a couple games below 500, they make progress with young players, then I think he keeps his job. But I do think... I think we'll have a good sense for it by the middle of the season, if not before yep. what's happening. So, so I think we'll know pretty quickly um, whether or not this Josh McDaniels thing is going to work long term for the Raiders. It'll be it'll be fascinating. Now, mind you, Patricia got two and a half years as a first time head coach. Yes. As I said, Josh McDaniels first has time. a history had a history of failing in Denver. So yeah. he, I don't think he's going to get two and a half. I think it'll be. As, as I said, middle of the season, if they're three and seven, three and eight, four and eight, four and nine, I think you're going to start to see players chirping. There might be some whispers going about like, Josh McDaniels is not a head coach. We right. have to move on. Players are not going to say that publicly, maybe, but you'll see the Instagram messages, you'll see the tweets, you'll see the Facebook messages right. from third parties saying it, basically. And it's exacerbated by the fact that he's got a challenging personality, right? I mean, you the, the, you go back to the Colts job, he pulls in, pulls out. All that stuff kind of follows him. All the baggage we heard about when he got hired, actually. I mean, you guys are all familiar with it, so it'll be interesting. But, Gary, thank you for your question, as always. All right, Mo, that does it, man. We're, we're done for another show. 
We appreciate you guys watching us. Uh, what do you got coming up that people need to pay attention to? What are you working on as you feverishly type on that keyboard? So I'm going to go through some draft trends. I'm actually working on that right now. One of those draft trends involve the Raiders. Just some things I'm seeing with mock drafts because, as we know, free agency changes perspective on certain prospects and team needs and things of that nature so there's a trend that i'm seeing with the raiders pick on what they're going to do in the first round i think raiders fans need to pay attention to not that they're accurate but a lot of times when you listen to these draft gurus and these draft analysts they're hearing something and sometimes they're on mm -hmm. point i would say peter king in the past years when it comes to raiders drafts has been on point about what the raiders are going to do now not so much maybe with this regime it was the last regime where there were leaks but again once you start to see a consensus of what these people think you start to wonder, even though I will say Ziggler and company have been very tight lipped. They they pulled some moves out that people didn't see happening. The Darren Waller move, a lot of people didn't see happening. Now yeah. we can look back in hindsight and say, of course, he was injured. He's going to be 31, didn't have a great year. But a lot of people were talking about the Reds offense saying, oh, Jimmy Garoppolo is going to have Darren Waller. He's going to have Devontae Adams. Yeah. He's going to have Hunter Renfro. We don't even know if he's going to have Hunter Renfro because there's smoke that maybe Hunter Renfro is going to get traded. So I think we should still pay attention to the trends because it could lead us to where the Raiders are leaning possibly in the first round, especially with the trade yes. up a trade down quarterback situation. Yes. And we're going to get into that next week. As I said, we'll have our normal shows uh, on Tuesday and Thursday, but we're also going to have some specials. Uh, we're going to drop some special episodes on position uh, position overlooks on the draft. So we're going to go through cornerback wide receiver. We're going to do all different positions for you. So look for those starting next week as we start to delve into the draft as we come up on just a month, a little over four weeks away from the NFL draft, which will be held in Kansas City this year. So we'll get you started on that. Mo, my friend, as always, thank you so much for being with us, and I'll see you on Tuesday. Absolutely. Sounds good. All right. Uh, that'll do it for us. Make sure you do, if you haven't already subscribe to the podcast. If you're listening to us, wherever you get your audio, just hit the subscribe button, turn on auto download. So you get all the episodes when they're pushed to you next week. We're going to have episodes four days out of the five day work week. So make sure you uh, check that out as we drop some draft coverage coming up. Very, very exciting. Also, if you're watching us on YouTube, make sure you subscribe, hit the notifications bell there. And thank you for your participation in the live chat next to the screen there. It's awesome. We appreciate you guys so, so much. And for our listeners in Las Vegas on The Bet, an Odyssey radio station as well. We appreciate you being with us, too, and we'll talk to you next week. For our producer, David Stepanian, for my co-host, Mo Moten, I am Scott Colbranz, and this has been Silver and Black Today at Odyssey Original Podcast. Take care, everybody.